Welcome to You've Got This. Real talk about belief, challenge and success. This is the podcast that's all about helping you unlock your potential and achieve success in every aspect of your life. Well, welcome to today's podcast. We have got a juicy one for you. Today, I'm going to be talking about the Delhi Alley interview with Gary Neville on Neville's podcast, The Overlap, which you may have seen. By way of introduction, Deli Ali is a 27-year-old professional footballer in England who, over the last five years, has seen his career go from playing at the top of the Premier League, being uh, playing in a Champions League final, which is like the ultimate pinnacle of club football, playing for the national team for England, to being out of first-team football at every team, being passed from t- club to club to club. Nobody wanted him, everybody thinking that his talent has gone and his talent has been wasted, being labelled as lazy, being heralded as a failure, as a disaster in the press and having um, fans globally wondering what happened to him. His performances and attitude have been criticised widely, including in the tabloids, and much has been made of his party boy lifestyle and underperformance in training and on the pitch. As I said, he's moved from club to club, failing to live up to the early promise of his career, which began at MK Dons and then Tottenham Hotspur. So Gary Neville is an ex-title winning Manchester United fullback, England international, and one time actually, internationally, a coach to Deli Alley. Gary is now a world-renowned football pundit and broadcaster with Sky Sports and has the massively successful podcast, The Overlap, which is a video podcast. If you're a football fan and you haven't watched it, I highly recommend. So let's just unpick it. Let's go from the start. Immediately at the top of the interview, it's apparent that Delhi had actually been blackmailed and pressured by the tabloids who had found out that he had recently been in rehab. And messages had been sent to his management team and his agents and his PR people saying, we know he's in rehab. Um, If you don't grant us an exclusive interview, we are basically going to do a smear campaign. Can you imagine that? You're traumatized. You've just come out of rehab and this is what you're greeted with. So Delhi and his people decided that the best way to handle this would be to engage exclusively with someone that he knew and trusted so that he could tell his own story on his own terms. He wanted to be honest and he wanted to use his story, his experience, actually to be able to help others, both professional footballers who might be struggling with the challenges that he has, and also men and women in general. So breaking down the interview, and by the way, I'm putting a link to the full interview in the show notes, which you can watch and listen to. It begins with Ali being asked, at what point did he feel that things were just not right? And he said when he began playing for Jose Mourinho at Spurs, he remembered looking in the mirror and asking himself if he could retire now at the age of 24, doing the thing that he loved. And he said, for me, that was heartbreaking. He then goes on to say, it's always been me against myself and every in everything and I was winning the fight smiling and showing that I was happy in training and hopefully at times on the pitch but inside I was definitely losing the battle and I just want you to pause here as you listen to this is that familiar to you do you find that you're the hardest person on yourself and listen 
There are positives to this. It means that you hold yourself to high standards. But the negatives are that it may be that the high standards you set yourself are unattainable or when you don't reach them, you go straight into punishing yourself and blaming and shaming yourself. And if you do this, undoubtedly, you'll unconsciously be doing this to others. You'll be critical and judgmental of others too. And then Delhi goes on to talk about what was going on underneath this, which was trauma. And very broadly, he says in the same way that you know, no matter what, trauma is trauma and your body registers it no matter what it is, um, whether that is like sexual abuse, whether it is being involved in a car accident, whatever it is, trauma registers in your body in the same way. And he says, you know, if you knew what happened about my life, you would understand that a little bit more. And I want to help other people to know that they're not alone in the feelings they've got. And it doesn't make them weak if they want to get support. And this is big, right? particularly for men. One of the biggest challenges that Delhi faced was that the absence of adults that he needed to protect him, guide him and nurture him and love him. When he was little, his father lived in another country, his mother was lost in addiction and his childhood home was filled with strange men, alcohol and drugs. So for him learning to trust other adults was an alien concept because even the people that were meant to love him consistently let him down, abandoned him, which is a terrifying thing for a child. Fortunately, he found adoptive parents and his family changed this for him in many ways in terms of providing consistent love and a stable home environment. Now, although his pain and his lack of trust was so great that he couldn't open up to them, he eventually, eventually found a way to do this. But the challenge was he was carrying this burden on his own, carrying this pain that he'd never talked about to anybody on his own, pushing it down so far that his new habits of distraction and numbing took over and the pain was ignored and out of mind. So let's just look at this. This is a, a man that grew up from seven and eight years old. He was selling drugs. He went into um, he went into football, became literally rose to the top in his teenage years. You know, the level of mindset, the level of mastery professionally that you need to have to get to that level. It is like, I'd love to know the percentage of footballers. It's like, it must be like, I don't know, 0.03% or something of people who are, you know, excelling at football actually get to sign professional contracts and consistently be kept on. So even with all of this pain, even with all of that stuff that had gone on in his childhood, he still managed to excel at football. However, he wasn't reaching out for help. He was just keeping this all shoved down. And men do this. We think we don't want to be a burden or we don't know how to talk about it or we don't trust people like Ali. He couldn't trust people. And what he says is he said about his time in rehab that one of the things that he realized is that you know, we all think as humans that we're unique and, you know, each one of us is unique and you, no one has got the same problems as you. You know, you, you don't have the same problems as me and the person over there isn't the same as me. However, he said, as soon as he walked into rehab and he spoke to different people from different walks of life that were also there, literally after about 10 minutes, he realized that everyone has got similar problems. Everyone feels the same way. And ultimately, the only way we get over these things as human beings 
is actually doing the thing that we least want to do, which is talking about it together, yet being together. Because as a species, we're not people that are supposed to be alone. We're actually meant to share our problems, share our experiences. That's how we get over them. And men really struggle with this. So men, if you're listening to this, let me, you know, let me know, send me a message. Is this something you struggle with? Do you struggle with being able to talk about your experiences, talking about your problems? Do you have people you can do that with? And in terms of his addiction, the sleeping pills, the drinking, the partying were numbing the pain he had. And although at the time that he was doing it to feel good, actually he realized when he went into rehab that what he was doing was numbing the pain of his trauma. He knew that he needed to chase a high and feel good. He actually forgot. He didn't realize why he was doing it. And he didn't realize that he could feel good without a high. He didn't realize at the time what was going on now after rehab and during rehab, he realizes that he was never dealing with the root of the problem, which was his childhood experiences and the pain he experienced and the trauma he experienced then. And he talks of feelings that he was holding on to, trying to deal with it himself, not wanting to talk. And let's look at this in more depth in his own words. With his adopted family, the people who took him in and loved him unconditionally after he was labeled troubled, after he'd been dealing drugs at the age of eight, after he'd been held off a bridge by someone from another estate at the age of 11. He said, there were times that my adopted family, my brother, and it makes me sad talking about this, they'd take me into a room, they'd be crying. They'd be asking me to speak to them, to tell them what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. And I just couldn't do it because I wanted to deal with it myself. I didn't feel like opening up to anyone. And I had a lot of people trying to help me because they could see in me that I was lost. And I was just turning everyone away, not accepting help from anyone. I mean, when I have the family that saved my life crying and asking me to tell me what's wrong, and I just didn't want to do it. I didn't know that they were aware of what was going on for me. And, you know, even when they said, do you have a problem? I, I would lie to them. I would, I would swear on everything that I'd never taken these tablets. And so more broadly, we're looking at denial as part of addiction. You know, part of the problem, he says, is I didn't want help. I tell myself that I wasn't addicted to them, but I definitely was. I realized that going away, you know, and talking about it and understanding more about my behaviors and what I was doing was that I was addicted. And it got to the point where I couldn't do it by myself anymore. And I think that's the thing people need to understand that it's, it's okay. I mean, we're definitely stronger. Again, he says this, we're definitely stronger together that we don't have to do everything alone. I mean, the stuff you deal with by yourself, it's having a negative impact on you, but it's also having a negative impact on the people around you. And getting support doesn't mean that it makes you weak. And I can empathize with this myself, you know, as a young adult, I was doing everything to avoid pain. I didn't realize I had childhood trauma. I didn't realize I had a lot of pain, but I was medicated with marijuana, alcohol, and taking ecstasy. I needed to feel good. I needed to feel connected to something bigger. I needed to chase a high. You know, from the age of 17 until 
probably 29 or 30, I was smoking dope every day, like multiple times a day, before work, after work, every weekend. Like being sober was too scary. Like I hated my job. I lived at home with my parents. I was depressed. I was emotionally unstable, mentally and emotionally immature. And I struggled to make friends and build meaningful relationships. Like I hated my life and I saw that there was no future. And this is addiction. I was addicted. And addiction is the result, as I said in the episode about social media addiction, right? It's the result of the absence of nurture and safety in childhood. It's the result of a child seeking solace and soothing in any way they can because they didn't get the love and support and acknowledgement and validation that they needed as a child. But think about this. While all of this was going on, he still managed to rise to the top of this sport. So let's just think about the importance of parental or role model figures in our lives, both in childhood and in adulthood. And childhood, it's important. If we don't get this in childhood, we don't get the chance to mature emotionally and mentally, you know, in adulthood, unless we have adults who can play that role for us and lead us through this process of initiation, through our trauma, through our pain, and help us with a lot of love and patience, deal with the pain from our childhood, and teach us how to become adults. They literally teach us what we need to learn what we need to learn about resilience, what we need to learn about communication, what we need to learn about self-compassion, what we need to learn about integrity, what we need to learn about discipline and consistency, accountability, self-responsibility, how we can start to rebuild trust in relationships with ourselves and with other people. And, you know, those of you that know about this program that I put together, which is a leadership and mentorship coaching and therapeutic program for men called The Man, that's what this program's about. Three of us are actually trauma certified practitioners. You know, there's me, there's Rachel, and there's also a, a relationship psychotherapist, all certified and qualified to help people with trauma. And David, actually David Miller is as well. You know, we are literally doing this work. We're taking men through the journey to, you know, as role models, as mentors, guiding them out of their pain into what it is to be you know a healthy functioning powerful man who can be a leader and a mentor himself a coach himself in the world and so what Ali needed was important role models in football and he found one at Tottenham Maurizio Pochettino um, who is now actually the manager at Chelsea and interestingly Pochettino said as he took on the role at Chelsea in his first week he took on the role at Chelsea in August 2023, uh, sorry, in July 2023. He said that one of the first things he was going to do was to reach out privately to Deli Ali to see how he was. How about that? He's managing a completely different football club and his values and integrity are so strong that he still wants to reach out to this young man that he has mentored and nurtured and loved. That is the mark of a powerful man. I get emotional thinking about that kind of love, that kind of bond, that kind of trust. And and Ali says, um, he was a great man manager. He always made me feel like I was part of the team. He was always there for me. He helped me develop as a player. Uh, he gave me freedom to play my own game. He helped me to become the player I am today. And he said, he was like a father figure to me. He cared about me as a person. He always looked out for me. 
He was always, always, notice the word always, this is consistency. This is what we need from role models in childhood and in adulthood, consistent encouragement, empathy, love, and validation. Yeah, he was always there for me when I was struggling. He helped me through some tough times. He was always there to listen. And I learned a lot from him about being a professional, how to be a good person. He taught me how to conduct myself, how to become the man I am today. And this is so important. When we don't receive this in childhood, it's even more important that we find these role models in adulthood. So men, this is a call to you. Seek out healthy masculine and male bonding healthy male role models who can help you who can guide you he can teach you who can initiate you into the ways of being a healthy masculine man it's so important and i'm just going to give you a demonstration of when you don't have that in adulthood the consequences when spurs sacked uh, pochettino they brought in internationally renowned manager jose Mourinho. Now, Jose Mourinho's management style was completely difficult, uh, different. And he said that Mourinho was very critical of him right from the beginning, which affected his confidence. And he felt not good enough that he didn't deserve to be playing. And he said that there were disagreements between them and he wasn't being given a chance to express himself. And actually, at the time, Amazon were doing um, a documentary on Tottenham. And one thing that they kept in the edit was Mourinho saying to Ali in front of everybody else, you're lazy. I think you're being lazy. What they missed out of the edit of the program was a week later, Mourinho apologizing to Ali and saying, listen, I'm sorry about that. I realized that, you know, I was judging you after a game and actually you're in a rest cycle and, you know, seeing you training now, you're not lazy. But he got labeled as lazy. And, you know, this influenced the tabloids, this influenced other coaches for other clubs that he went to. So he got tarred with a brush. He got labeled as lazy. Yeah. And at the same time, he was also partying a lot. So he was saying that Mourinho was very demanding, putting a lot of pressure on him. And I think that the biggest thing for me was I wasn't used to that. I hadn't had that to me. You know, he said things that I didn't agree with. It affected my confidence. And I felt like I didn't deserve to be playing. I felt like I wasn't being used. Um, you know, to play with my strengths. So as a result of that, what was going on unconsciously was this was re-triggering his childhood trauma, his lack of love and encouragement from a father figure because he didn't have that. So when we have a negative role model, like a, a challenging boss, a critical boss or father kind of figure in our lives, if we've had uh, a negative in, impact or experience in our childhood, when we have that in adulthood, it re-triggers our childhood pain. So it can cause us to relapse into old patterns of numbing and distracting or addictive habits. And, you know, looking at his mother, even now, he says he doesn't have contact with his birth mother, his biological mother, because even though he completely understands now as a result of going into rehab and having the, the therapeutic support that he had to deal with his trauma, even though he really understands what was going on for her, guess what? She had childhood trauma that was unresolved as well, right? And her addiction's a result of that. Even though he has a lot of empathy, he knows that he can't have her in his life because it just doesn't work for him. He has to have a clean slate and move forwards. So to summarize, the role of parents healthy father and mother figures and role models in childhood and in adulthood is imperative you know even if you're at the top of your game like Ali 
Ali is, you know, playing internationally, playing for Premier League clubs, international clubs, you know, Champions League final, masking addiction, masking, you know, drug and alcohol abuse, you know, who seemingly on the surface has it all, like millions of pounds in the bank, adoring fans in the millions, big homes, fancy cars. Even at that point, you can still be struggling inside with feelings of worthlessness, of pain and trauma from childhood. It doesn't matter how successful you look on the outside, right? There can still be childhood pain on the inside. Men, if this resonates with you in any way, I encourage you to reach out to me. I've put details of how you can do this in the show notes. And there are also details of other resources that might get might be helpful for you. So thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you found it useful and do go and watch that interview. It's incredible. As always, thank you for listening. If you haven't already, please click that subscribe button. You know that every time you like, subscribe or leave a review, it allows the podcast to reach more people. And my mission is for this podcast to reach as many people and help as many people as I can. You can also join the free Facebook community. Link is in the show notes. Thank you for being here. I appreciate your time, your energy and your attention. I'll talk to you again soon.